0: And now please remain standing as we turn to our sermon text for today, which is found in Hebrews 10, verse 36, on page 1135, or 1195, rather. I do intend to uh, return to our series through the book of Jeremiah, but since we have good momentum on the letter to the Hebrews that Pastor Montgomery began for us, I'm going to finish this series for us first, and there is so much goodness for us here. We're going to be learning so much to encourage our faith. So we'll begin now um, in Hebrews 10, verse 36, and we'll read through to Hebrews 11, verse 3. This is God's Word. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, And the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Thus far, the Word of God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you that all things needed for our faith and our salvation are given to us in the word, including the power to have faith, that, Lord, our faith is a response to what you have spoken and you have now spoken. And so we pray through the Spirit who works to create faith that, Lord, you would increase our faith. And where there is no faith yet, that you would create that faith, that, Lord, we would respond rightly to what you have said in humble belief and trust. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I remember as a young man going on my first really long backpacking trip um, in Yosemite, in California. It was when I was about 14. And it's, uh, it was a 50-mile backpacking trip. And I just remember on the second day... Um, we're going we're going deep in, and I'm starting to realize, wow, we are a long way from the parking lot. We are a long way from civilization, and we're starting to get to the point where we're a long way from just anybody, like we weren't seeing anybody. And honestly, I got really afraid because I realized we were going still deeper in than this, right? And I just remember that night literally crying and begging the leader of the trip, please just Take me back, take me back to the parking lot. And he didn't. (laughs) And uh, thankfully, the next morning I felt a lot better um, and was able to enjoy what was really a tremendous, glorious trip. And what, as I reflect on that, what that moment showed me is that making a journey really isn't just about whether you have the physical wherewithal to do it. Like I was in decent shape. Um, I could easily have walked those 50 miles with the pack and everything. But you also need more than that, right? You need hope. You need confidence that you can actually overcome the obstacles that you will face. You have, have to have confidence that you're going, to, you're going to make it through and have that sense of, of, of confident faith looking forward. And I bring this up because life is a journey. Life is a long journey, much longer than a 50-mile trip, backpacking trip. And there are lots of things on the trip that can take us down. This is a dangerous journey. There's a lot of opposition we will face from outside of us, from people, from this broken world. But there's also a lot of opposition that we will face within. Temptations that we will face, weariness that will come upon us, sin that really is there threatening to take us down. And so the author of Hebrews in 10.36, he knows all of that. And he says to us, you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. He's, he's looking at the journey ahead and he says, you guys need endurance. If you're going to make it to the end and lay hold of the prize that God has promised to you. And so how will you do it? How will you endure to the end? What will be the decisive factor? What will be the one thing that if you have it, you will make it, and if you don't have it, you won't make it? That one thing is faith. 10.39, he says, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. In other words, who don't make it to the end. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are rather, the opposite, those who have faith and therefore preserve their souls. And I'm sure you know the word faith. It occurs tons of times in chapter 11. It's the key word in chapter 11. This chapter that we're about to dive into um, today and and we'll we'll continue on uh, for several weeks, it's sometimes called the Hall of Fame of Faith, And we're going to see all these different Old Testament saints and how they illustrate different components, different angles on what faith is. It's a very rich thing, faith. And so there's going to be all kinds of encouragement we're going to have from these Old Testament saints in our faith. But today, we're just going to focus on the definition of faith that he begins with here, especially in chapter 11, verse One, if we need faith so badly in order to endure to the end, we had better know what it is. What is faith? That's going to be our first point. And then we're going to talk about why he then says, okay, if you know what faith is, you're going to realize you really need that faith to endure. So knowing what faith is, our second point will be, why do we need it? And then we'll talk about, if we need it so much, how we can get it. So we begin with what faith is, and there's this wonderful definition in eleven one that we're going to talk about in a moment. Excuse me, but before we examine that, I just want to say a bit about what the world means when it uses the word faith a lot of the time. Um, the word faith is used in our modern culture quite often, um, and unfortunately, when people use that word. They often mean something by it that's very, very different from the Bible. And we just need to kind of clear the deck here and say, look, this is not what we're talking about, uh, with the way people often use the word faith. So just think about this. Think about this sentence. You, Christian, you go by faith. I go by science. You go by faith. I go by science. There's obviously a contrast this person is making, right, between faith And science. And usually, when they're talking in this way, what people mean is, I believe in science. In other words, I want to make my decisions based on hard and fast evidence and reason. I endorse rigorous testing, peer review, and what we would call non traditionalism. In other words, a willingness to abandon a long cherished idea when the evidence goes against it. They're saying, that's what I'm looking for. That's what what I like. And so there's this narrative of progress that a lot of people have about this, that as the human race keeps employing that mindset of, you know, discarding what we cherish to be true in light of what evidence and reason show us to be true, we're going to keep making progress in our human understanding as long as we don't cling to those old traditions. Then, There's faith, right? I believe in science, you believe in faith, is what this person is saying. And what is faith in this definition? Well, it's the opposite of science in the sense of faith being blind faith. It's You could call it that feeling in your gut. It's this clinging to the old traditions for some spiritual, emotional reason that defies reason. And on this view, your faith may be okay. They may still, you know, condone it and say, okay, well, you know, you can have your little faith It's going to make you feel better and, and give you private comfort, but you, want to, you don't want to make any big life decisions on some, like, feeling in your gut or some warm, fuzzy emotion. And I want to ask you, have you ever heard people using the word faith in this way, talking about faith as blind faith, is? that what the Bible means when it uses the word faith? Is faith the opposite of science and of reason? What's uh, really troubling to me is that sometimes even Christians use faith in this way. So maybe a Christian might say, well, I don't really have enough money for this home, but, you know, I decided to go for it anyway because I'm going to live by faith. You know, that might sound pretty spiritual, Right? Wow, this person is taking a risky decision. He's making a risky decision to trust God, right? And when you ask this person, for example, like, well, okay, why do you even believe in God? You know, apart from this home decision, like, why do you believe in God? Well, they'll probably say, because of their definition of faith, I just know it deep down. Again, it's this, like, faith is feeling, this feeling in the gut that defies Reason. Do you see the link between the two uses that I just gave, the, between the, the, you know, the misinformed Christian and the, the pro-science person? You see how in both cases, faith is this blind leap in the dark. And in the case of the pro-science person, it might be a not-so-good leap in the dark, very questionable leap in the dark. And then in the case of the Christian, they may be saying, oh, but this is a very courageous leap in the dark. But in both cases, it's a leap in the dark. And is that what faith is? Is that the way the Bible uses the word faith? Well, let's look at 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, as we think about that, and as we let that, those words kind of filter into our mind here, on the surface, it actually might sound exactly like the definition of faith that I've just been saying where people are being assured of things that are not seen, that they don't actually see and have evidence for. Is that what this is saying? In the context of the letter, if we actually read this in the context of the letter, we realize that faith is a very different thing than that. This is the definition that that happens when we read this one sentence in light of the entire letter to the Hebrews. Remember chapter 3. Remember how he was warning them back there. He said, see to it that you don't have a sinful, unbelieving, in other words, non-faith-filled heart that falls away from the living God. What's, What's he saying? Don't have that unbelieving heart that hears God's word and then hardens your heart. That's what happened in the wilderness, right? There was the people of Israel wandering through the wilderness after the exodus from Egypt. They come to the cusp of the land. God says, Enter the land. Take possession. I'll be with you. And what did they say? They say, oh, no, but there's, there's fortresses and giants in the land. We can't do it. And they fell away because of unbelief, because of a lack of faith. And Hebrews 4.2 says, the message that they heard, the promise of the land, did not benefit them because those words were not united with faith in those who listened. So you're starting to see the definition of faith here. Faith is a response to God's Word. Faith is when we take God at His Word. It is not a blind leap in the dark. It is not believing something when we have no reason to believe it. Rather, faith always has a reason. And that reason always is, God has said this. And I take him at his word. Faith is accepting God's testimony as true. That's why we know. That's the assurance of things not seen. That's the conviction of things not seen. It's God says this, and I may not see it, but he said this, and therefore I accept it as true. And just think about how all throughout the scriptures, this idea of faith as a response to something God has said is is what's going on? So, like, that's why we read Romans 10, 10 17. Remember what it says? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of Christ, right? So, you hear the word of Christ, and then if you respond rightly, like the people in Acts 13 did when Paul and Barnabas were preaching, it says that as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. What does that mean? Do they just sort of spontaneously had this feeling in their gut? Oh, now I believe in God. No, it was that they responded to the preaching of the word. They responded to what God said, and they said, this is true, and I am now going to live as if it is true. And so, to the lover of science, we say, we share your love of close observation of this glorious creation. We we share your love of rigorous thinking, loving God with all our minds. We share your openness to being wrong and to peer review. We need other people to help us to understand what's true. Faith is not opposed to science, nor is it a, a different like, mode of thinking. Faith is actually the foundation of good science. Everybody has to stand somewhere. And sadly, many scientists stand on their own intellect and their trust in man. They ignore God's word. But true science emerges when we see God speaking to us in his word, saying, This creation, I made this, Genesis 1.1, and I made it according to certain fixed laws and principles, Jeremiah 31 and many other places. And therefore, we expect to be able to understand this world that God has made. Just look at 11.3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made, out of the things that are visible. Where did the universe come from? Scientists don't know. They can't answer the question, where did it all come from? They can't answer the question, where's it all going to, what's the purpose of it all? We have the answer. Not because we're smarter or because we have some like ability to like see things um, that, that just are, are is sort of like special eye, eyeglasses or something like this. No we have God's testimony that He spoke in His Word about why He made the world. That He's spoken into being as the showcase for His glory. And we take Him at His his Word and so then we can understand His world, aright. And to that misinformed Christian who prided himself on making these gutsy decisions on faith, his definition of faith, we say, brother, what promise do you have from god's word that you can buy some fancy home that's beyond your means look he's made many promises god has made many promises to us in scripture and and that's not one of them every one of my kids is going to have a fancy home like it's just not in there right so you can't act on the basis of a promise that god didn't make because remember faith is not just a feeling in your gut it's understanding what god has spoken and living on the basis of it. Real courage, real guts, is when we take God's promises and we act as if they are true. So what's faith? It's the assurance of things hoped for. What God said he would give in his word, he will give. It's the conviction of things not seen. We may not see. We weren't there like when God created the world, but we know that it was created by the word of his power. Why do we know that? Because of the Bible. And we may not see right now how Jesus is going to win the victory over everything. In fact, what we might see is that everything's crumbling. But we know he will win and be victorious over all. And we do know he is coming back. How do we know those things? give you a hint. It's not a feeling in your gut. (laughs) It's because of the word. So faith, that's the definition here. The faith Faith is taking God at his word. So now let's talk about why we need it so much. There are lots of reasons why we need faith. Faith is unbelievably valuable, and I hope that by the time we get to the end of Hebrews 11, you'll be like, wow, faith is amazing. But there are two things he says here that really are important. Faith, we need it. Why? Because it enables us to persevere. Faith enables us to persevere to the end. Look at verse 36 again. You have need of endurance. So that, what you, when, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So remember, life is much longer than a 50-mile backpacking trip. <laughs> We're going to need a lot of faith to make it all the way to the end. What Israel lacked, and the reason why they didn't make it to the promised land, is faith. They died in the desert and didn't enjoy the land of milk and honey. Why? Because they didn't have Faith, And the author of Hebrews, he knows that that wasn't just sort of only a problem Israel would have. And he, he knew that his audience was going to be facing the same trials, the same temptation to give up early on the trip to the New Jerusalem. That, that even to this day, modern Christians would be struggling with persevering in faith. And so God gave us the letter of the Hebrews. He caused it to be preserved because he knows that you will be tempted To fall away. When you get weary from many doings and lose sight of your first love because you're just so tired, you will be tempted to fall away. When you stop faithfully attending to the means of grace, private prayer, coming to church every Sunday, and you get absorbed in the endless entertainments and glitter of this world, you will be tempted to fall away. When you slip back into some terrible sin and you are overwhelmed with shame and cannot find peace for your soul, you will be tempted to fall away. When you are brutally and personally attacked by the world for your uncompromising stance for the truth and it starts to really cost you, you will be tempted to fall away. And when you've done you felt like you've done everything you're supposed to do and the work of your hand starts turning to dust instead of prospering like your kid abandons the faith or this big project you've been working on for years utterly fails. In that time, you will be tempted to fall away. So have I described your struggle yet? In every one of these cases, you have need of endurance. And the only way you will ever endure is if you have faith, not the warm feeling in your gut, but true faith, and let me just explain to you what this is going to look like. You're going to need, in every one of those circumstances, you're going to need to remember the promises of God, and you're going to need to count those promises as more true than the thing that you are currently feeling burdened by, so Revelation 21.4, God says, I'm going to wipe away every tear, He will heal all things. He will make things right. Or as Hebrews 10 says there at the end, he quotes Habakkuk 2 and he says, yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. In other words, yes, Jesus is really coming back. And it says, but my righteous one, that is the true Christian, shall live by faith and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And then the author of Hebrew comments on this and he says, but we, the author And everybody he's talking to, including all of you, he says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. In other words, he's confident of better things concerning us, things that concern salvation. And brothers and sisters, I am confident of better things concerning you, things that concern salvation. I'm confident in the genuineness of your faith. And let me show you what that's going to look like with each of those temptations I just mentioned. When you are weary, I am confident and I know that Jesus will give you the grace to trust his word and that you will discover that his grace is sufficient for you, 2 Corinthians 12. When you are drunk with entertainment or whatever worldly pleasure has you in its grip and you become negligent of the means of grace and of worship, I am confident that you will turn back to Jesus and you will trust his promise that he welcomes back everybody who repents and confesses their sins. 1 John 1. When you are covered with guilt and you are deeply discouraged because of some grievous sin, I am confident that you will find cleansing and new assurance in God's love by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10. And when the world attacks you, I am confident that you will find joy and certain hope in the victory that's in Jesus. Romans 8. And Revelation 12. Do you hear how in every one of those instances, those different temptations to fall away? Do you hear on every single one of those instances, I am combating them with a word from the scriptures? That the word of God is the power of God? It is, remember, faith is taking God at his word. And in doing that, this is the big idea, faith gives you the power to overcome. When you remember his promises, it is not a power that we have. It is a power that God gives graciously, and he gives it to you through his word. So the first reason why we need faith is that the only way you're going to have the power you need to endure is by remembering God's promises and actually believing that they're true. Second reason, more briefly, why you need faith is that this is how you will find your approval from God, that you will not be among those who shrink away and God has no, no pleasure in them. No, you will be among those who persevere all the way to the end and will receive your commendation. And Hebrews eleven two says, for by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation from God. In other words, their approval. And that's why the author is not going to spend all this time talking about Old Testament heroes of the faith. What is it that makes them so great? What is it that makes us want to be like them? It's the fact that they had faith. Faith in Christ. They were looking forward to the coming one who would come. Remember Habakkuk 2? Jesus. And they believed him. And, how, and in believing them, they did awesome things for God. And we're going to learn Many awesome things that they do. But the big idea in 11 too is by faith they received the commendation from God at the end of their long persevering journey. And you know what's so beautiful? Of course, those, those brothers and sisters, they received that commendation from God having made it all the way to the end in faith, right? You, brothers and sisters, you will receive that commendation on the last day Well done, good and faithful servant. But guess what? This is the really wonderful thing. You don't even have to wait that long to receive the commendation. The commendation is given right away the moment you believe. That's what we call justification by faith. Remember, justification basically just means approval. God's approval of you, how does it come? By faith. When you believe in God, God then says, this is my righteous one in whom I delight. That's what he said to you in this worship service when I read Romans 5. Remember, we confessed our sin. I read Romans 5, and it says, we've received by faith this introduction into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice and hope in the glory of God. We have been justified, approved by God, by faith. God already commends you and treats you as righteous because you're trusting in him. So, do you have God's approval? Are you confident that He will commend you on the last day? If you have faith, you should be confident that you have His approval. God is not stingy. He's ready to give it to everybody who trusts in His Son. So you really need faith. You need faith if you're going to endure to the end. You need faith if you're going to have that commendation from God, that sense of love and approval from Him. Faith is what protects us from sin, from backsliding. It will keep us to the end. So where can we get it? We really need it, obviously. Where are we going to get it? I remember there was this one time where I was sharing um, the gospel with uh, older friends of mine. Um, and uh, at one point, toward the end of the conversation, there was this old, older non-Christian couple. Um, they just shook their head and said, ah, such faith. And it wasn't like a biting comment. It wasn't like a negative, um, condescending kind of statement. It was, It was a genuine statement, like, wow, such faith, like, We wish we had this. We wish we had the ability to believe like you believe. And I believe it was a genuine, genuine wish. And yet, as I've thought about that moment, as I've reflected on that moment, I've realized that there was a subtext in that. And the subtext was this. It was the idea that faith is this magic thing that some people have and some people don't sort of like the early definition of faith I was talking about, the one we're not holding to, right? Some people have the faith, some people don't. And the fact that these folks just plain didn't have it, and I did, well, that means they're off the hook. It's your thing. You've got your faith thing. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Wish we had that. But we don't. So that's fine. And I want to say, of course, faith is a gift, We can't even believe, right? Unless God opens our hearts, gives us the ability to believe. We need God to make us alive. Um, But faith is not this spontaneous feeling in your gut that some people have and some people don't just because. No, faith is about responding rightly to the word of God. When you hear the word, you are called to believe. It is to take God at his word and say, I trust you, God, more than I trust myself. And so if you want to have faith, you listen to what God says. The only way to get faith is to come in contact with the Word that imparts faith. And so if you want to grow in faith, you need to be in the Word. And you need to be absorbing it in any way that you can. And, and that means not just coming here. That means, like, delving into the Word when on your own taking advantage of all the opportunities this, this church gives you to be in the Word. And as we're hearing it, we're seeking that good response to the Word. Remember, faith is taking God at His Word. responding rightly to His Word. What is that good response? I believe. And sometimes we need to add this. This is also a biblical prayer. And Lord, help my unbelief. Right? I know what you're saying is true, but it's really hard for me to accept this right now. For whatever reason, maybe it seems far-fetched. Part of the Bible is just hard to, like, wow, that actually happened? Or maybe it's something that's far-fetched because you're feeling your sin is so grave, and you just can't believe that God would actually show this much grace. So begin, brothers and sisters, if you want faith, begin planting those seeds of the word in your mind. Begin praying that God would cause those seeds to flourish because the only way in which your faith will grow is if you're coming in contact with the word that begets faith. Jesus has given you everything you need to make it to the end. He is the Savior, and so ask him for the gift of faith. Ask him that he would strengthen your faith, and he loves to answer that dangerous prayer. Let's pray. Our great God, thank you for reminding us that we need faith if we're going to make it. And truly, Lord, we know we do need faith if we're going to endure. There are many things that could take us down, many things that could cause us to abandon you and turn away from you. And we do not want to be among those who shrink back. Rather, we want to endure to the end and to hear your commendation. And so we pray, Father, strengthen our faith. Help us to believe what you have spoken. Help us to be word absorbers who are taking your word deep down inside of us and believing what you have spoken, even when it goes against what makes sense to us, because we walk by faith, not by sight. And that, Lord, giving this great reason, I believe because you spoke it, this is a good reason. This is the best of reasons, for you are the wise God who knows all things, and has instructed us rightly in your word, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will the elders please now join me up front for the Lord's Supper?